Hello and welcome back to Build Back Better, another online conversation from us here at For the Region. Today I'm really excited to get into a conversation with Andrew Campbell. Now Andrew is Chair of the Wales Tourism Alliance. Um, he's based in North Pembrokeshire. He was formerly Head of School for Tourism at the University of Wales Trinity St David and now is a Professor of Practice in Tourism for that university and formerly Director of Pembrokeshire Tourism as well. So absolutely the right person to be talking to about the impact of COVID-19 on the tourism sector across our region and across Wales, and hopefully looking forward, how we might open up and uh, reboot the sector over the next few months. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation, Dawn. Great to be here. So tell us, first of all, then, what is the Wales Tourism Alliance? What is that about and what, what do you do? It's a question that many people ask, actually, so it's a good question to ask very early on. Visit Wales is part of Welsh Government. The tourism industry, as everyone knows, Visit Wales is an integral part of that. But we need to have representation from the private sector. So I always liken it to being, being an equivalent of the CBI. So we've got 7,000 businesses who want an independent voice. And it's important that that voice is heard because government will, will run the agenda. Before we had Visit Wales, we had the Wales Tourist Board, which was an arm's length organisation, which wasn't, you know, in, in the heart of government. So that's the explanation of what Wales Tourism Alliance is. An alliance of 7,000 organisations across Wales, small tourism businesses, larger destinations, all sorts of different interests, I, yeah. I assume. Yeah. Yes, we, we have a real real mixture. We've got some very big organisations like you know, Holiday Parks Association, like Caravan Club, which people have heard of. But we, you know, we have TMOs, we have North, North Wales Tourism, Mid Wales Tourism, Visit Pembrokeshire. Uh, we, we have quite an, a, a collection of different businesses, but intrinsically, uh, the Wales tourism product is made up of small micro businesses and so we do our best to try and represent them. So it's been surely an incredibly challenging year for the sector um, and you've been right at the heart of it trying to walk a tightrope between lots of different interests. Tell <laughs> us about what's been the impact and what you guys have been dealing with over the last 12 months. Well, I, I know everyone's been having a really hard time and in their own way have been dealing with things and uh, you know, tourism is just my story. Uh, but the tourism industry is very important in Wales. It generates £6.2 billion and employs 130,000 people. And I think during the course of the year, we've seen a lot of coverage of tourism and tourism has come to the fore. And, and that's been a positive thing in an awful, awful situation with this pandemic. But we've seen the importance of this industry, particularly at a community level. It is uh, something that, that, that's really important for all sorts of different reasons, really, just not from an economic point of view, but from a social point of view as well. Uh, so that has been good. But of course, as soon as the uh, pandemic of the lockdown came, we were we were on shutdown. But in actual fact, we were probably on shutdown before that because we were seeing the outbreak of uh, COVID-19 uh, abroad. And so the international travel market was suffering from January. So we did see a downturn. Wales doesn't have a huge dependency on international tourists, as you know, uh, but there are enough and whether there was having that, that impact. People were starting to work at home a little bit more in the beginning of the year. So it wasn't just that magical date of the 21st of March when we went for a complete shutdown. The industry was being affected and people were staying at home, weren't going out. So we, were, we, we say to people that we were 
one of the first you know, sectors affected and we're going to be one of the last sectors coming out of it and so it's been an enormous hit and it's been on on shutdown for a lot of the time we reopened as you know last year uh, for a short time and the response from from people was amazing. So here in my own Pembrokeshire, we had our busiest August ever. It was absolutely astonishing. So there's a huge pent up demand, but uh, it's been a tough time for businesses and we've lost some people. Uh, it was all about trying to uh, keep businesses intact and fighting for that financial support uh, to keep businesses going. We have lost some businesses. A lot of businesses are hanging on by their, I don't say, fingertips I say fingernails and that's why the opening is important you know we've got to generate cash and keep going but it's just a very complicated thing it's an easy thing to shut down but it's a much difficult more difficult thing to open up again particularly as we've got four countries doing it in four different ways and tourism does not respect boundaries and so we have all sorts of issues and before I came on to, to this wonderful podcast this morning, Dawn, I was talking about the English alignment and the issues with that and the different forest dates on the 12th of April and operators, you know, it, it's, it's very complex. That's interesting, isn't it? And really challenging, the different regimes that we're all under and confusing for everybody. Has, by and large, would you say that the government has been able to provide the financial support to keep most tourism businesses kind of mothballed and able to reopen? Has there been enough in terms of furlough and everything to keep most of our regional companies alive through this? Furlough's been a lifesaver, so we're very, very grateful to central government for that. The rates relief was, was really important. The grants have been very, very helpful, very generous. The Wales settlement has been better than all the other settlements throughout the UK, uh, which is good. But one has to say that the people at the bottom end of the food chain, the freelancers, the very small businesses who perhaps don't meet that criteria, the latest financial support package that's gone out, you know, uh, it starts from 10 employees. A lot of businesses don't have 10 employees. I mean, if, if on the 12th of March, uh, the first minister says we're in further restrictions, there will be money coming through for the micro and the small businesses. But there have been some sad stories of freelancers and you know, they, those businesses, Dawn, they make up the sense of place uh, of our tourism product in Wales. It's that small business person. So it's, it's been tough for them. It's been tough. Yeah, you sit on a Wales-wide task force and sort of UK-wide task force. So it must be really interesting to be part of those emergency conversations well I think it might be interesting it must be very stressful as well <laughs> from your perspective but what are the kind of key issues what are the arguments about uh, give us a fly on the wall insight to what, what happens in those conversations behind closed doors every Friday we have this tourism task force of 10 and we we talk through the issues and it is all about putting the case forward for for our tourism businesses and what we can do do to help so they are quite robust. I have found myself walking on, on a tightrope and, and it's very difficult. I mean, the UK uh, task force, uh, there are no minutes and, and you're not allowed to talk about it. But our businesses want to know what's going on. It's very difficult when you're keeping your confidence, uh, but also uh, it's frustrating because people don't think you're putting the case hard enough. It's quite easy to be a rabble rouser from the outside, put stuff on social media. But I think probably through this, I mean, I've learned a lot, I mean, from self-development point of view, and, you know, I'm sort of getting towards the end of the perch in, in life terms, as you well know. It's been interesting with regard to 
trying to be an influencer and doing things in the right way and trying trying to be at the table to to put the point. It's easy to slam the table and to walk out, but that's not the case. But that's not to say that the table isn't slammed on a Friday. And I think everyone on that group would say that we have tense moments. So without going into the detail of that, we do we do push very hard. And those sorts of conversations are still on ongoing at the moment because you know we are hopeful for self-contained accommodation to be opened for Easter. But it's a knife age thing because we're waiting to see what happens with the schools. If the rates go up, then all bets are off for, for tourism and uh, getting the following sectors because we know, as you know, that tourism relies on other businesses. So just having accommodation, we want the coffee shops, the restaurants and all the other parts, parts of the package open as well. So it's careful negotiation all the, all the way through. Yeah, I think Mark Dropeford made a comment, didn't he, that Easter is such an important moment for Welsh tourism in particular, isn't it? And normally a huge opportunity for the sector. And I suppose that it must be really complicated. I mean, I think about it from the perspective of looking at government ministers and everybody making those decisions, because there are people on both sides of the argument. And presumably that's the same in the tourism sector. There are those businesses that are really desperate to reopen as quickly as possible and others who are really anxious about reopening. Is that right? Yes, absolutely right. It's a very difficult balancing act. I mean, I take my hats off to the politicians. I take my hat off to Mark Drakeford or even, you know, Boris Johnson, the way the stamina to keep going with this relentless pressure. You know, we, we have meetings, we have people from Sage sitting in, you hear the public health arguments and they're scary, you know, and it takes a very brave man to actually make the call to do to do the right thing because you don't know. And scientists will obviously always give the, the medical line. But it is a very difficult balancing act. And uh, I think the First Minister wants to open for Easter. He's actually said he wants to come to Pembrokeshire. So that's wonderful news for our region. But there is this balance because, Dawn, we've been incarcerated since December the 20th. And it's been hard and the mental pressure is hard. So it's not just about the, the medical coronavirus rates. It's to do with the economy and it's to do with mental health. And increasingly, the mental health issue has got bigger and bigger. I mean, it's been there from the very beginning. But I think increasingly we need to make a call uh, with regard to thinking about people's health and well-being. And tourism delivers a lot on the health and well-being front. We're not the problem. We have to be seen as part of the solution to bring happiness and joy and relaxation and well-being to people. And we we really need that. I mean, you know, I, I would say personally, I've been rattling around. I'm just at the end, as, as we all are, and people listening to this podcast will probably be nodding in agreement. It's been a, been a hard time. So we need to take a balanced view. And, and thankfully, the vaccination has been an absolute lifesaver. And aren't we lucky? And we need to celebrate that because that's giving us the options or, as Mark Drake would say, giving us the headroom to maybe open some things up. So we are looking a little optimistically at the moment, hopefully, but nothing's a given. And, you know, we have uh, meetings and things could change from a Thursday meeting before an important announcement on a Friday. It's, it's that, and, and it could still change. So not prejudging it, we would love something to happen. We would love our economy in the region, in in the southwest here to start start opening. We keep our fingers crossed.
Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more about that point about the well-being and the mental health. I know we're all just desperate to be able to get out of the same four walls and go somewhere else and see a change of scene. And I've got a friend in London who always said that it was absolutely essential to her mental health to come to Wales every 12 weeks. It was like a prescription, you know, that she could cope. She could cope with her life in London if she could come to Wales every 12 weeks. Um, and it's so true that... Uh, yeah, we just, we're just desperate, aren't we, to get out and enjoy where we live more. But I take your point that it's, it's not just about opening up the accommodation because we want stuff for people to do when they get there. And it's an interesting point, that, isn't it? Because there is this community concern, which may, may be a part of your questions, but um, people are obviously worried about the numbers of people coming back to communities and people get used to a lower capacity of people. I mean, you change your pace, you... You know, I live here in remote North Pembrokeshire. I went for, you know, I live on the coast path. There's absolutely no one here. And I, you know, suddenly there's going to be people here. And I think it's just going to take a bit of readjustment. And obviously, I, you know, I welcome them because obviously it's, it's wonderful to see them. But I think generally a lot of people will be feeling a little bit anxious about, you know, about the, the numbers of people coming back. And so it's not just about being concerned about the actual numbers of people coming in and overwhelming communities. Well, we can't possibly open restaurants and coffee shops, you know, because that's going to be too much. You know, you've got self-contained, you've got. But actually, people in communities, it'd be lovely to meet you, Dawn, for a coffee, wouldn't it? People in communities would love to go and meet each other for coffees. So these aren't exclusive assets for visitors. These are things that keep communities going, you know, people to get to go out for a for a drink or a coffee and, and all that sort of thing. And I think we have to see it in the round as a more holistic thing, rather than this is just for the visitor and all the visitors, they're the only ones who use coffee shops or go to restaurants. People, locally, people want to use them. We really do, yeah. We really want to get back out supporting those cafes and restaurants in our local areas, meeting up with friends. But we want it to be safe and we don't want to jeopardise the progress we've made on, I guess, the numbers. My eldest child is back to school on Monday, so they'll right. all be back at school and that presumably have an impact on the statistics. So as you say, we just wait and see, don't we? I wanted to come back on your point about um, the nervousness in communities. I was aware... In the first lockdown, you know, for example, on Gower, residents on the Gower were really quite anxious about people from the city centre, people from Swansea itself, going out to beaches. Um, and they were sort of taking the law into their own hands and closing their own, closing car parks and putting up signs themselves and quite unwelcoming, which you could understand completely. But have you, has that been a trend across Wales of perhaps more rural communities really being anxious about visitors or is, is that just, um, was that just a moment? No, I, th I think you're right. Going back to last summer, I think the fear factor was extremely high and we, we had reports across Wales of banners and you know, anti-visitor behaviour and vigilante groups going around and holiday homes being targeted and people putting notes through doors. And there is a lot of uh, curtain twitching still going on. People are watching, particularly, in, and that's the thing in remote communities, you can, you, you can see that. But I think this time round, people have, have understood a little bit better. I don't sense that level of hostility uh, that, that was there. I think people get it. I think people are feeling safer. I think we've come to understand this virus a bit more. I think people have been vaccinated. I think people do want to get going. 
And so I think it's a bit of a different scenario to what it was last year. But undoubtedly, there are people who are very frightened and the government have done a world-class job in scaring people to death, you know, and they've had to do that to actually get people to, to fall into line with all the restrictions and the regulations. But it would take some time for all of this, you know, it won't just be a click of the switch and everything will just go back to normal. I think people will take a long time. And, you know, one of, one of the issues, again, on the shopping list of things for tourism is to build consumer confidence back. And, you know, we saw that last year with the Eat Out to help out those sort of voucher schemes. Seemed like a good idea at the time. It's very easy to be wise in hindsight. We were sort of saying it'd be really nice to have that later in the year. But if we had it later in the year, we would have been in lockdown because we didn't expect another lockdown so early. So it's, you know, you, you can always be wise after the event. But using vouchers as a stimulation is still something that is being considered uh, if it's needed. But actually, what we're seeing is a huge pent up demand. You know, I think we were all uh, having these deep rooted thoughts about, oh, is international travel? Will anyone ever go on an aeroplane again? Well, we can see after the announcement from Cyprus last week, after that, there was uh, a huge surge of bookings to go to Cyprus. And I know that you can't get a villa in the Greek islands from the beginning of the summer. So, uh, and EasyJet bookings have gone through the roof apparently. So there is this pent up demand. And even though we, we kind of thought, oh, this is a, you know, trying to find the positives last year, this is a good thing from an environmental point of view, people will be a little more circumspect about traveling across the globe. I don't actually think that's going to be the case. I don't think we need a lot of marketing. I think when we say, or well, you know, things are going to be open for Easter and for the rest of the summer, it's going to be a bumper, bumper summer. Uh, people just want to get out. That's interesting what you've said there. We don't think we need a lot of marketing. It's one of the conversations we've had, um, as you know, for the region of a host of a new community rail partnership for Southwest Wales, mm. Southwest Wales Connected. So we're trying to do our bit talk about how we get people back onto trains and buses across the region and as you say the government has done a great job of scaring people to death about yeah. all these things particularly um, so public transport yeah. particularly an issue for public transport but there have been lots of conversations around the table about the opportunity for our region to position itself as a as a staycation destination for those who don't want to travel abroad do you think that's valid do you think actually we won't need to do any marketing people know that we're already a fantastic staycation destination well i can you know just give you the feedback from from my businesses and we do have a lot of self-catering agencies and people like that and you know the phones are pretty hot and you know it's just ready to go so i don't think you need to do any overt marketing uh, we need to do marketing of a different sort i think because the big challenge, uh, and going back to the community point, is actually dispersal. So we need to move these people out of the honeypot areas to go to places. I'm talking to you from the North Pembrokeshire coast, and the coast is always busy. But I'm looking out of my window at the sea, if I just turn my head slightly, but I'm also looking at the Priscelli Hills. And it's always interesting, you know, you go two or three miles inland, and it's just really remote and empty. And you just look at the coast and there's loads of people on the coast. And so we need marketing to be used in a different way, in a positive way, uh, as one of our things going forward to manage the numbers of people. And so the management of visitor management, uh, destination management is, is right up there as one, one of the key challenges when, when we do open. There's a real job of work there. And I know local authorities are talking. There's a lot of conversations going on about how we manage this 
uh, you know, expected number of people coming coming to places around Wales. Yes, you can picture the streets of Tenby absolutely rammed with with tourists, can't you? The media love the story arms stories and Snowdonia, and it's trying to avoid all that. I mean, going back to your earlier point, uh, you are right about the public transport. I mean, I was reading something from Stuart Cole the other day, who writes a lot and speaks a lot about transport, and he was saying it's never ever going to go back. It's going to take a very long time, years, to, to get back to where it was. And I think the best estimates are about 70% of people going back on trains and things. And I actually had a meeting with First Great Western uh, not so long ago, actually, and uh, just giving my view. And it's about trying to sell rail tickets, maybe with with holiday packages, with hotel packages. And I know some of the operators say that's quite complex to do. But I think we've got to think out of the box to try and get people back on those trains. So it needs a different sort of commercial view of things like that. Yes, absolutely. That is probably a, a marketing challenge and a lot to do to get confidence up. We held a regional transport forum not too long ago, over two days with 200 people talking about transport across our region. And there was quite a lot of discussion about destinations like the holiday parks and the visitor attractions. You know, how can we work with them to encourage that sort of joint ticketing or, or discounted tickets if you arrive by yes. train or by bus, but also making sure that the transport operators are engaging with those businesses to lay on transport links that work at the right times to meet the bus, to meet the train, to take you to the right place. Um, all yes. of that has to be joined up and then we've got to um, yes. market it and sell the story. I know. I mean, it's such a shame, really, because before, before COVID came along, we were making, after so much time, a little bit of headway in getting the public transport green environmental agenda uh, moving and uh, this has absolutely put a stop to it so it's now almost seen as irresponsible to be going on public transport and this is the thing you see it's now cars and we 90% of people who come to Wales on holiday come in cars you know it's a it's a very high percentage the management of cars is is really complex so coming back to that issue and that challenge of, of try, trying to deal with with cars is tough even if they have to come to Wales in the car they can maybe leave the car at the cottage or the caravan and we try and have public transport to take them but but it's going to take a little while and i don't think it'll be this year before people feel quite safe about jumping on a bus yes of course they've got to spread people out a lot more on the buses but the message from both bus and train operators is that it is safe and that they've done everything they can to make it safe that they're enforcing the you know the social distancing and the all the precautions yeah. that are needed so i think we do need to try and talk it up in, in yes. all the opportunities we have they've done a yes. huge amount of work to make it safe and they do still run a lot of empty buses and trains so there is enough capacity for a lot more bus and train travel it's sad to think isn't it that as you say we've taken so many steps back at the beginning of the pandemic i think we all had hopes that as you say less air travel and more awareness about supply chains and globalization and perhaps we were going to make some amazing progress around environmental issues hence the name of this podcast which is not unique to us this whole concept of build back better how can we emerge greener and cleaner and better than we went into the pandemic but so many challenges to that yes. and transport is just one of them so looking forward then, Andrew, to the summer, feeling optimistic, as you say, we've got a vaccine in place, huge numbers of people are receiving that vaccine, it does create a bit of hope. 
let's say all goes well and things do reopen, what will tourism look like this summer and uh, what can we look forward to? Well, it's, go it's going to be busy and I say key challenges are destination management, visitor management, but also um, businesses need lead in time. And this, this is part of the negotiations. Big difference between England and Wales, the dates, uh, Boris has given clear dates. Now, as you know, we don't do dates here, as you know, just repeating stuff you hear on the BBC, it's data, not dates. Uh, Welsh Government doesn't want to uh, put dates out there because maybe the dates won't happen and one can understand the level of disappointment when we don't, don't hit dates. So dates do give businesses a chance to plan and to recruit. And I think recruitment is going to be a serious issue. There, there is this, this tension between the conversations we have in trying to have an understanding of when sectors can open because it doesn't just happen and you have to start um, uh, recruiting to, to get le levels of staffing right. Um, skills is another big issue. I don't think that's probably mentioned enough. Uh, and uh, there will be skills skills issues. And I sit on the National Skills Board, we've got a meeting on Thursday. Um, so I'm pleased that that has come about through, through this COVID thing. You know, we've got a job of work to do with um, skills and recruitment and visitor management. Uh, I think businesses have become more resilient, you know, trying to find the positives through, through this thing. Uh, we need to, you know, as you say, build back better. We, we need to, the, those businesses have done pretty well, have, have had different strings to their bow. So some of these tourism operators, they've done tremendously well with Click and Collect. Uh, they've done online stuff and they've really blossomed and, they, and that's been a new, new area for them. And it shows that if you've got multiple revenue streams doing, doing different products, then, then you're gonna survive and you're gonna be much more resilient. And I think we, you know, that, that has been a big lesson. I think as we go forward, businesses need to really pick up on that because as the scientists have said, this isn't going to be a one-off thing. There are going to be other, uh, other, other things happening. So building back better uh, is, is all about that. I happen to like what uh, Mark Drakeford says about building back fairer. And I think that's a really overlooked thing, particularly in an industry which uh, does, has had its uh, heart, you know, fair share of negative criticism with regard to uh, employer conditions. I'm not saying there's some wonderful employers here, particularly in our region, who, are, who just look after their employees supremely well, um, and they need to be applauded. But there's still a, a job of work to do there uh, with regard to, to fair pay and, and regulations and conditions and, and, and all that. So, yeah, it's building back better, which is what Boris says, and building back fairer is what Mark Drakeford says. And I think it's the combination of the two, really, which is where, where, where we have to get to. Yeah, I'm glad you've said that. That's a really um, important consideration. Um, we talk a bit about the real living wage and how we'd like to see more real living wage employers across our region. Talking about skills, you work closely with the university. I know you were head of department there for a long time, specifically in tourism. Do you feel like the tourism sector offers fantastic opportunities for young people in our region to consider their future careers? Are you still um, confident that there will be plenty of opportunity um, as the months and years go by? I, I think so. I've always felt that passionately through my whole life, you know, and it's always been one of, one of those big challenges to try and change the perception of, of, of people. I, I know when I 
and outed after my A-levels that I was going off to study hotel management, my father uh, sort of collapsed in a heap and said, what, what are you doing going, going to do that? And that's been a bit of a driving force really uh, throughout my life because it is a wonderful industry and it offers uh, a great, um, uh, you know, adds color to, to people's lives. If you like meeting people, if you, uh, you know, it has great variety in it. I mean, there isn't just one type of job. So there are, there are many different types of jobs and it can be very exciting. So yes, one, uh, one will always be, you know, banging a drum for, for the uh, fulfillment and enjoyment and happiness uh, that, that you get through working in our sector. So we need to do more of that. I think what, what the pandemic possibly has also shown is uh, a, a growth in entrepreneurship, that people can actually build their own empires, do their own things. And probably empires is a different word because I think small is okay now. And so to have, and I think people have got this thing about lifestyle a bit better. And so you can have a nice life, a balanced life, but maybe starting off. So the entrepreneurship, small tourism businesses uh, development, that goes in concert with digital skills. And we've seen everyone, including myself, my digital skills, you know, if anything went wrong with the computer, I would always ask a technician or rang someone up. I've had to try and figure it out. And, and I think people's digital skills have just come on tremendously over the last 12 months, but there's still a lot more to do and it's very fast moving. So that in, in the skills conversations I have, it's, 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 it's all about that as well. Yeah, you've talked about Wales's tourism sector being made up of so many micro enterprises and very small operators. And there are huge opportunities, particularly when you look at sustainable tourism and kind of eco-tourism, um, opportunities for people to create micro enterprises um, that create a very nice lifestyle and offer something different. It would be great to see a flourishing of that sector um, across our region. And there are some really inspiring young people that uh, we've met at various world skills festivals, I think, through the University of Wales, Trinity St. David, that very much, as you say, they're not falling into jobs in tourism because they haven't got anything better to do. They're passionate about the skills they're developing, the opportunities and, um, yeah, the exciting careers that are, are available. So it'll be great to see confidence come back as things reopen over the summer that all is not lost because it's a huge sector of our economy and hopefully we'll come back strong stronger than ever as we go forward absolutely yes yes Gr growing tourism uh, for the good of wales really great well andrew before we wind up I wonder if you think opportunities for collaboration are more important. I mean, as you know, for the region, we're really keen to see sectors working together and in improving collaboration. And presumably at the Wales Tourism Alliance, that's a key focus as well, joining things up. What do you think the opportunities are for collaboration going forward? I'm really pleased that for the region, is, you know, it's a key aspiration, collaboration, because it re really is uh, hugely important. I think before all this thing happened, I would always be having a few mantras. And, what, and one of those mantras obviously was how great it is to work in our industry and how fulfilling it is. But one of them was always the fact that I'd point out to people that tourism is a community business. And sadly, businesses work in isolation. And one of the other positive things that's come out of this COVID crisis is the fact that people have come together and they are working much more collaboratively. We've had lots of these Zooms and 
you know, once we got used to the technology, people coming together. So we've got a much more collegiate and closely linked and uh, cooperative tourism sector now, which is fantastic, which I think going forward in the future, we won't see that isolation. People will know each other. They will know their other product strengths, so they can work together to put together packages and tourism experiences that will be to the great value of the visitor. So I'm, I'm really pleased that the Region is driving that on the agenda. And I think, you know, the ground is fertile because of all the experiences we've had over the last 12 months. So we're going forward with a much more collaborative industry. Great to hear that. And, you know, our, our big mantra is, is that we're stronger as a region and, and developing a kind of regional umbrella destination because there are so many different amazing parts of our region aren't there from the north Pembrokeshire coast to the south Pembrokeshire offer to Carmarthenshire's fantastic beaches and countryside the city offer in Swansea and the the cycling the walking uh, the forests of Neathfatal but you know such a diverse range of destinations and attractions across our region we really feel like we want to join all that up so when visitors come they get to experience so much more across our region yeah great to hear that you think there's a lot of scope for joining up great and i completely agree communities are much better connected now than they ever were and people want to support other operators locally to them i think we're closer as communities and i hope that's one of the things that we can hold on to going forward absolutely i mean that's been an irony that we've been separated and yet we've become closer yeah so important that we all work together. It's been great to talk to you and, and hear your insights as someone who's so well connected within the tourism sector across Wales. Please do keep in touch with us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and to hear your insights on the reopening and what we can look forward to and the challenges that lie ahead. Thanks so much for your time, Andrew. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much, Dawn. It's been lovely to meet you and thank you for the invitation. I really enjoyed the conversation and good luck with the region. You do such great work. Oh, that's kind of you to say. Well, thank you to all of you for listening to today's conversation. Our Build Back Better podcast, as you know, comes out each week. Make sure you're subscribed and tune in again next week for another conversation. Bye for now.